0: Welcome to the Film Club Podcast. The end of the year. The final episode. The last dance. The year in review.
1: One of the fastest years. It feels like 2022 just started and it's gone.
0: I mean, that was better than 2020, which felt like it never ended.
1: Oh, my God. 2020 felt like 10 years.
0: Yes. Yes, it did. But we're not talking about that we're talking about 2022 and our work we've done this year and we're going to we're going to round up the year by by doing what Miss Boo
1: Talking about our favorite episodes we filmed this year, our least favorite, and fun things that we got to do for the podcast this year.
0: Yeah, cuz this was probably the first year we actually did real podcast stuff outside of just recording. Yeah. Uh, we went to a lot more events. We actually were able to like do more episodes in general, I think.
1: We also did some on-location recording for the podcast.
0: That's true. We also had guests this year, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm excited. Me too.
1: And at the end, we're going to spoil 2023 just a little bit to see Mm -hmm. what else is going to be on our schedule.
0: Let you guys know the next uh, couple of movies or the next couple of theme months we're going to be doing.
1: Because at the Film Club, we love a theme month.
0: And with that, we're going to do our 10 favorite episodes of, of the year. And I had a caveat on mine. I don't know if you did for yours, making up your list.
1: No, I was just under the assumption we were going to just pick our top ten favorite episodes that we recorded this year, whether it be movies we hadn't seen, movies that we did love, or Mm. just episodes that really just turned into a fun time, whether we were arguing or it was just a good spiral down the rabbit hole.
0: Well, what I did, I didn't pick favorite episode recordings. I picked favorite like movies and specifically I watched for the first time this year. Okay. Because I you know, I like movies. I watch like a movie like every day. Yeah. But this year I got to actually watch about twelve brand new movies I never seen before. Interesting. Out, out of the podcast. I was very excited. Uh, so I took that and like I weighted them and ranked them as like the ten best movies that I had never seen before. Mm-hmm. Are movies I'd only seen for the podcast, so that's how I ranked mine, okay, uh, so the number one is like a movie I will definitely go back and rewatch because I really, really liked it like that's a like legitimate good movie yeah, and like that means like number ten is like I really enjoyed this movie. I really appreciated watching it. might not go back and rewatch it soon, but if it's on, I'm gonna give it a watch,
1: and mine it's you know top ten favorite episodes that we did, whether. It's a favorite movie of mine, or it's just we had such a good time making the episode, Mm. and it made it that more memorable for me. So my number one is my number one episode that we did this year. But the rest of the list, I really couldn't rank them and put, you know, this movie over that movie, so it's just...
0: Because you put in a lot more like, well, it's not just the movie, it's the whole experience of the episode. Exactly.
1: Because some of these movies, we actually went to go see them in the theater, or we recorded them elsewhere, so... There's a memory and experience that ties to that episode for me. Yes. So it's hard to really put, you know, one over the other.
0: With that, let's get on with it. We're going to be counting down the ten favorite episodes we've done this year. Would you like to give us your your number ten?
1: In no order, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the original film. Oh, that I love this movie.
0: Great, great movie. And I mean,
1: it had to make the list because it's a great movie. But also the experiences of, like, going to Midsummer Scream and Season Screaming, where we got to go to the actual booth that's attached to the makers of this movie.
0: Yeah, I believe Kim Hankel, he's, like, uh, part owner of that, like, merchandising franchise for the booth, and he's one of the original writers or producers.
1: Yeah, it's the Texas Chainsaw Massacre Museum, and they're usually there for those events, and they have, you know, like, original sealed VHS tapes and posters and cool stuff, and props from the movie. So and,
0: and pieces of the house too.
1: Pieces of the house that you can purchase. So it was like this is a no brainer. It has to make my list because, you know, being able to watch the movie, talk about it, but actually being able to see pieces of the movie that was in the movie, it's just it's so much fun.
0: Also the thing with that is Texas Chance Massacre really kicked off kind of like I think when we really got into the groove of the the podcast this year, and yeah. I know it was like in August, but Once we started doing those and we got to explore not only, like, really good movies with Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but also all the bad movies that kind of came after it, like Texas Chainsaw, uh, uh, Next Generation. Oh, that was a bad one.
1: Yeah, that was a rough movie, but, you know, I was kind of apprehensive, because I, I'm a purist with some of these movies where the main movie is fantastic, doesn't need a sequel, I won't watch it.
0: How's the Halloween movies treating you? Uh, How How's going to see... All three of the Blumhouse Halloween movies and theaters treating you miss I don't want a sequel to the perfect movies.
1: We'll talk about it later on the podcast.
0: Is that, that going to be come up on your worst list?
1: It might. It might. Spoiler alert. Mm-hmm. But no, I mean, I wasn't too excited about Texas Chainsaw Massacre month because I felt, you know, this movie is perfection, but it was a really fun month and I agree with you where I did feel like the podcast became more cohesive. Hmm. So, what was your 10 on your list?
0: Uh, my number 10 is a movie that you were really surprised i had never seen before. Huh. And it was also a movie that I was surprised by how much I enjoyed it.
1: I think I know what you're going to say, but I'm not going to guess.
0: Is, is it Abedica, Stella, and Stella, Meet Frankenstein?
1: Oh, I was not guessing that.
0: What were you going to guess?
1: I thought you were going to say Starman.
0: Oh, that. Ha, later. Okay. Later. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No. Abbot and Costello, because again, mine's actually weighted. but Abbot and Costello Meet Frankenstein. Watching it, yeah, the movie's like really goofy. Yeah, the movie is definitely a comedy from the forties. Yeah. Yeah, the movie's probably not actually like a great piece of of kino cinema, mm-hmm. but as like a a fun Halloween movie where I can just kind of put it on and just kind of vibe. Oh, it was such a good vibe movie. Yeah, that movie was actually good. And also, uh, it gave me a whole new appreciation for Lon Chaney Jr. Like, he is fantastic in that movie. And it's fun seeing Bela Lugosi ham it up for the screen. And it it was just a fun movie.
1: I'm kind of speechless because I wasn't expecting you to pick that at all. That is on my honorable mention list Mm. because I've grown up with that movie. I've seen it a hundred times. I kind of wanted to do a few that I hadn't seen. But yeah, that movie is near and dear to my heart. I watch it throughout the year. I don't save it for just Halloween, because it's, you know, monsters, but for me, it, it's a happy movie. I put it on, and it just, well, it's, it's good a, vibes. Well, it's
0: a straight comedy. Oh, it's yeah. not a horror movie by no. any stretch of the imagination, and that's kind of why I like it, but is because I- even the jokes, they're they're making fun of the fact that, guys, this ain't a horror movie. Come on. Come on, just crack the smile, get along with the joke. It's a a fun vibe.
1: I mean, I'm still holding that Lon Chaney Jr.'s Wolfman is the scariest universal monster, even though it's a lot funnier in this movie with um, Bud Abbott closing doors and you've got the Wolfman trying to get him and it's just his dumb luck of, you know, never getting hurt or he's a perfect donor, a body donor, because he's got no brain. So, it's you know, it's fun to see everybody kind of hamming it up. Mm -hmm. And then also... You know, we got to meet Ron Cheney. You know, this year, and we got to meet Bella Lugosi Jr. this year. So, you know, meeting the the children and the grandchildren of these greats, and being able to see, wow, this is your lineage, and you grew up with these movies. I wish I did.
0: I mean, you you did. You watched a lot of these. I
1: did, but they got to you know at least Bella Lugosi Jr. He got to be on set for some of these movies, so I was just like, so
0: cool. But my question is, what's number nine on your list?
1: Number nine on my list is. The Godfather.
0: No shot. Oh, God, stack on a (laughs) cap. Whatever those words mean. Really. The Godfather. Of course. I am so surprised. I
1: know, but it's not for the the reason that you think. I mean, it was a fun episode to record because it's The Godfather, so how is it not going to be a good episode?
0: Arguably the greatest movie ever made, yes, yes, yes. But
1: it was also the experience of, you know, before we recorded that episode, we got to see it at the Academy Theater with a Q&A with Francis Ford Coppola, and just being able to tie it into that moment of being able to see Francis Ford Coppola, talk about it in person, and just experience it on the big screen, because I think that's the first way I saw it. You know, you took me about five years ago to go see it on the big screen.
0: Yeah, and I was surprised you'd never seen it before.
1: I'd seen Bits and Pieces. So it oh, was.
0: everybody who says I've seen bits and pieces of this three-hour movie, you ain't seen the movie, alright? Yeah, so... I saw six minutes of The Godfather. You ain't seen The Godfather.
1: So much hostility into you today. I
0: have a lot of it. It's a, it's a lot of built-up, you know, hostility. Because I'm looking at my worst-of list right now because it's on the same page, and I'm getting slowly angrier.
1: Uh, okay, so what is your number eight before you get angry?
0: Oh, it's a movie that brings me infinite happiness. Happy it is feet? Oh, no. It, it is the best Batman movie. It, it's Batman, 1966, with Adam West.
1: Still the most shocking one on that list. How? How is that I, shocking? Because I thought that you would hate it and be like, oh, this is so cheese. This is so cringe. How could I ever love this? And then recording it because we didn't talk about, you know, our feelings on it. And I knew how I liked it because I grew up with Adam West's Batman. And you were just... Oh, my God, he is my new hero. I love him to death. It,
0: it's one of those things where, oh, my God, like, that is actually, like, like, a comic book movie. Yeah. It's, it, it's one of those things where I, because we grew up with, like, you know, like all the Marvel movies, you know, Spider-Man, Iron Man, uh, Captain America, the Avengers movies, all Batman, that stuff.
1: the animated series, Justice League. Yeah,
0: all that stuff. And it's, like, man, it 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 dawned on me watching that movie and I'm like, "Oh yeah, like all these superhero movies are taking themselves way too seriously. The Adam West Batman movie is the most diluted down. It's like, "No, guys. Batman is made for children." Mm-hmm. Like like little kids and you're ha- you're enjoying it because you're in the mindset of a little kid. Yeah. Like the Avengers should not have a dark, gritty reality they're dealing with. Their character is made for children, and I, I just really like Batman. That was a lot of fun. That was that was my number nine. By the way, what is? But what is your number eight?
1: My number eight was actually one of the first movies we did this year: Scream Five.
0: Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, Scream Five is a movie that I remember we watched, and because we watched it at the end of watching the whole stream franchise. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that was pretty good. Like, I like that. And I think it's grown on me a little bit more. It's probably, like, the second best or third best screen movie.
1: It took you a while to figure out your feelings. Because coming out of the theater, I mean, sitting in the theater, I was just, you know, a ball of excitement and energy. And you were just really pensive. And how do I feel? And that was the whole car ride home. You were just, you know, I don't know my emotions yet. I don't know my feelings about this movie
0: yet. I don't think it was that up my own ass about it. But I definitely was apprehensive because it was one of those things where I'm like, okay, this is obviously like a meta, you know, take on on the fan culture and all that Mm -hmm. stuff. And the whole sequel reboots, whatever. And it's like, well, we kind of did that in the screen four, the Mm -hmm. sequel rebooting thing. Now you're adding this like meta fan layer onto it, which is interesting. And my thing was like execution. Like,
1: well, Scream Four was more of the meta one, and this one was like the resequel, whatever term they coined, and you were so pissed off about it.
0: Oh, because it sounded ridiculous.
1: It was a reboot, a sequel. It-
0: it's a reboot, a remake, and a sequel. It's a resequimal or some something ridiculous like that. But I really did come around to that movie after a while. Cause thinking about it, I'm like, no, the actors were good. I really like seeing. Um, uh, your boy, Skeet Ulrich, come oh, back. Oh, man. That was a lot of fun. and it, There
1: were so many screams, and it wasn't even terror. It was just people excited that Skeet was back on the big screen.
0: We were able to surf out of that theater. But it was, it was definitely a fun movie that, I, honestly, I, I actually came around to kind of liking after a while.
1: And for me, it was really fun, you know, being a big fan of the Scream franchise. This was, like, the actually first Scream movie I got to see on the big screen. So everything else, you know, either the movies came out. When I was really young, I missed the Scream 4 phenomenon that happened. So being able to be there for Scream 5 and see it on the big screen just made it that much more cooler.
0: Probably the best theater experience we had this year. Because we actually had like a packed theater that was like game. We had people like yelling and chanting and like calling stuff out. Booing at, you
1: know, certain characters.
0: That was definitely one of the better theater goings we went to this year.
1: Yeah, I mean, screaming, cheering, clapping. It was like, wow, this is how all theater experiences should be.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: So, what is your number eight?
0: My number eight, uh, what I think is our best recorded episode of the year, or definitely the the first one I was like, yeah, no, this is, like, really, really good, was Monster Squad.
1: Hey, okay.
0: Yeah, I, I really dug Monster Squad. I thought, one, us recording it was, like, really good. Yeah. I, thought, I thought that episode was good, and that movie is, like, the perfect cult episode classic movie Mm -hmm. because it's one of those movies where i'm like this isn't like you know the carpenter cult right yeah where they're all objectively good movies that just didn't get their due in their day right monster squad is more like no this is a movie that's not like very good like on paper the movie shouldn't work but it has so much charm and love for its subject matter that it just you just get on the train and you just ride along and then it's like when you're like halfway through the movie you don't even care that some of these scenes make no sense like it's just such a fun ride
1: it's on my honorable mentions list because you know again this is a movie i watch throughout the year but i love this movie i think it even works well on paper it's so much 80s it's so much cheese and then you throw in monsters it's the perfect mix it doesn't have to make sense because it's this own crazy world of oh hey there's monsters let's see how long it takes for the adults to you know kind of kick into hey something's going on here and the kids know what's up and they know how to take down the monsters
0: the age-old story of 80s kids movies the parents know nothing but us 12 year olds we got the whole thing figured out
1: we do we do
0: but what is your number seven
1: my number seven is moonstruck
0: Oh, we tied. My number seven's Moonstruck. I was
1: waiting to see if we were going to tie it all in this episode.
0: Yes. uh, My number seven is also Moonstruck.
1: Well, it's my favorite. Not only because I've seen it a ton growing up, but just the experience of getting to see you watch it for the first time and to see that you just kind of fell in love with the movie right away.
0: Well, it's one of those things where, because, like, it's a romantic comedy, 99% of the time romantic comedies are just trash, like, as a genre. It's
1: also the same tropes. I mean, I love yes. romantic comedies, but you know you're going to hit the same bullet points that you need to hit to make it a successful romantic comedy. Yeah. And with this one, it has a lot of charm, a lot of heart.
0: Well, what it is is, like, you really do get behind share share's character yeah. nicholas cage is giving his wackiest nicky nicholas cage and you have Danny aiello there who's just like like kind of like the perfect schmuck yeah. for this kind of movie and like you you kind of enjoy the family you enjoy the fact that they they're it's cheesy as hell yeah what like, like this is like the whole my bottom like five are just they are all cheesy but goddamn do i enjoy them moonstruck uh, this is makes incredibly me so happy to hear well, I, you know I like bad movies. You know I love cheesy movies. I know. I, I put up the pretentious film critic shtick for way too long in this podcast.
1: Finally, the real <coughs> Dean has emerged.
0: Yes, like I love- Like a phoenix. And calm down. I, I'm i still pretentious. Oh, yeah, But Moonstruck, honestly, I'm like, this is just a good movie. Like, it actually, like, works. I do care about the characters. In so many other romantic comedies I've seen, couldn't care less.
1: But this film is not.
0: This is not. But that's the that's the thing. Like, I've seen really bad ones. And this one just stands so head and shoulders over the rest of them. It is, like, such fun.
1: Yeah, because you're not focusing just on basically the love triangle in this movie. It's a whole ensemble piece. So you want to see what's happening with Grandpa and the dogs and the dad and his uh, mistress and mm. the mom who's kind of, you know, not getting the love that she used to get. And it's, should I stray? Because I know my husband's straying. And that, you know, whole ordeal of, do I go against my morals or do I not? And then you have the lovers that are basically built for one another. And, ooh, I'm kind of engaged to your brother, though. How should we break that to him?
0: Well, the other thing is, yeah, I'm engaged to your brother, but your brother is one of these people where, like, I fell in love with him first, and you came in, and you're not, like, you're not really better than your brother, but we just have, like, a different kind of attraction to each other that's just so, like... Like, raw, and it's such a good movie.
1: Yeah, and I'm so happy that you enjoyed it, and that's cool that we tied on it. Yes.
0: But, Boo, on that, what's your number six?
1: My number six, six. I I think it's going to surprise you. It's a movie that I hadn't seen before, and just the shock factor in this movie still gets me every day. It pops into my head, and I'm just like, wow, I can't believe they did that.
0: I think I know this one. Do you you want to take a guess? Is it Assault on Precinct 13?
1: That's correct. Oh, I'm
0: so good at this. Because I remember we watched that, and that was your whole thing throughout the entire episode was, I can't believe they shot the little girl.
1: They mowed that girl down. Yes. And it's not like even, you know, oh, we're going to allude to it and let you, you know, think it. We're not going to go hitchcocking away. It's like, no, we're going to show this shit, and you just have to sit there and reel. And, yeah, it's something that pops into my head every day, and I'm like, my God, how did they get that out there?
0: That's one of those things. Assault on Precinct 13 is this exploitation movie it should be this like grindhouse nasty thing that shows up on drive-ins but john carpenter is such a good filmmaker that it's like this doesn't look like a cheap like roger corman movie this looks like a real real movie by a real real director i mean
1: you also feel like you're there in this movie you feel like you are stuck in that precinct with them you are Stuck when they get, you know, lower and more of the gangsters are coming after them and you just feel trapped. It's such a good movie.
0: It's a great movie. It's another one of those movies that I look at and I'm like, why didn't John Carpenter make a zombie movie? Man, he should have just made Night of the Living Dead.
1: But then you see it again in the fog with the pirates when they're in the, the church and they're just slowly coming after them. You, and it-
0: you see it in the fog. You see it in Assault Precinct 13. You, you, you see it in Ghosts of Mars. Like, he... So wants to make a zombie movie. America needs the John Carpenter zombie movie.
1: That would be interesting. We might get one. You never know. So what is your number six film?
0: My number six. uh, It's the last one on my list that I would say is cheesy, but I enjoy it. Okay. Like, this is probably, like, the last one I would say um, this is... Really fun if it's on, kind of thing. Like okay. I probably won't rewatch it very soon, but if it is on, I'm definitely gonna vibe with it because it is. It might be the the greatest movie of all time, uh quoted by uh David, uh and uh he told me that this was the greatest film ever made, and it is Con Air, and it it might really
1: be... Con Air made your list. I,
0: again, I had twelve movies to pick from, movies I hadn't seen before, but Con Air, yeah, Con
1: Air made the list. But you weren't giving me at the time when we were recording Con Air.
0: You know why was when we talked about it in the episode, I'm like, man, Conair is good, but then you have this Oscar-worthy performance in the most depressing film I've ever seen in my life in Leaving Las Vegas.
1: You're not kidding. I mean, I really. wanted to cry mm. after that.
0: Really, kind of drags the vibe down. Yeah. But like thinking about it, and like really thinking about how how I felt when I watched Conair, and how that movie makes no goddamn <laughs> sense, but how everyone in that movie is just going for it
1: don't pet the bunny <laughs>
0: you got don't take the bunny you got fucking uh, cyrus the virus played by john malkovich who is eating so much scenery no his no stomach no might burst.
1: He is not eating he is chomping oh, everything god. around him and, i mean my god this man
0: and then you have steve buscemi being brought <laughs> in as hannibal fucking lector you have danny trejo in there being like yeah they call me johnny 69 because that's how many oh, bitches i got I'm like, oh my god damn there's so many just wacky, ridiculous. This is a cartoon of a movie, and it's great. And, and you've you've it's got, so you know, good.
1: You've got the meme of all memes: Nick Cage with his mullet, you know, just going in the wind. It's beautiful. <sighs> it's perfection.
0: It, it 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 is a such a fun movie. And you
1: know, don't touch the bunny.
0: It's it's put the bunny down or d- d- take the bunny. Also, you have to do it like a Hank Hill voice. You know, I, I can't do it. Uh, but, but what you can do is tell me what your number five is.
1: My number five shouldn't be too shocking to you. It's a movie that is so near and dear to my heart. This is The Bride of Frankenstein.
0: Ah, The Bride of Frankenstein. Doo-doo-doo. Yeah, that's a really good movie. That, ah. I mean, I'm still an Invisible Man guy at heart, but that might be James Whale's best movie. Wow. Yeah. Because for
1: years, you've said that The Invisible Man is... James Whale's best but this movie it's
0: definitely my favorite Invisible Man is definitely my favorite
1: but you know you're really campaigning that it was his best film and I think once we really broke down The Bride of Frankenstein and dissected it we just saw how much depth and emotion and symbolisms in this movie and it's just you know yeah you know watching it as a kid and it's you know poor Frankenstein you know they, they won't leave him alone and oh the bride's even rejecting him but once we really got in there and seeing how the character of Frankenstein has evolved, and Dr. Pretorius, and just so much craziness that makes this movie perfection.
0: It's it's a movie that you can see an artist is really putting everything he's got into it because he had so much freedom. And it's one of those movies where we're looking at it, it's like, wow, this is a very James Whale film and it's a and it's one of those movies that honestly i really do appreciate a lot more on a rewatch as an adult because as a yeah. kid it was my favorite yeah you know as, as a younger fellow again like wolfman invisible man crazy black moon those are my jams like mm-hmm. it's not until we, like i got older and like you know we started dating that it's like oh no like i get a more of appreciation from like Drac like frankenstein not mm-hmm. dracula
1: I love Dracula.
0: The movie is silent. We both fell asleep during the movie. Don't don't try that. We
1: were still working. We had to go to downtown (laughs) LA to watch it. And then it was so cold that I was like, oh my God, I'm going to pass out from the cold. But no, I mean, this movie, you know, it's not just James Whale and his genius and his ideas and concepts that he comes up with, but it's also the actors too. You know, Boris Karloff, who put so much of his physicality and his emotions into it you know, really carrying the movie on a broken back and a broken hip. Oh, yeah. This man is true determination.
0: Then you have also Lancaster there, who, who is, is is giving, ma- like, the OG Hannibal Lecter thing, where it's like, I'm on screen for five minutes, but I'm the only thing you remember.
1: Yeah, and that was a big thing for you, where you remembered, like, just, like, that five minutes of her. You didn't remember the rest of the film. Oh, yeah. And it's just, it, with just five minutes and a cameo in the beginning of the movie, it's like, you are so striking that that is all everyone ever thinks of this movie.
0: Oh yeah, like it. It's one of those movies that's iconography, iconography, iconography. It's yeah. ju- it's one of these movies that has seared into the public consciousness, and yeah, it's one of the best movies we watched this year. Also, one of the better episodes. One we of the better. Really episodes. got deep into that movie,
1: and also you know the strength of her as a person and an actress, where you know with hardly any lines just. It's like you're telling so much with without saying anything.
0: Exactly.
1: So what is your number five?
0: Uh, My number five is the only Stanley Kubrick movie we did this year, Uh, The Killing. Interesting. Yeah. This is where we actually get into movies that I think are like legitimately good movies. Okay. And The Killing for being Kubrick's like really early stuff and you can tell he's not like a fully formed director yet but seeing how much like creativity and how much like like visions going on here mm-hmm. and also the fact it's just a good noir movie like beyond the fact that it's like oh this guy's gonna go on to make you know two thousand seven or eight yeah. perfect masterpieces Clock in his Park career Orange. the shining mm-hmm. for Jack, jacket like again it gives it goes on like yeah. the guy made like eight eight 10 straight masterpieces and seeing the killing, which at its basis, it's just a really good noir film. Yeah. And it's such a enjoyable movie. And it's a movie that I see echoed throughout this crime genre. And also like the performances are so much fun. I think this is really one of the best kind of noir movies i really like heist movies i really like the actors in this
1: the brawl was really good the
0: brawl was a lot of fun and it's another thing like there's there's some cheesy stuff going on here but it doesn't feel cheesy because it's actually filmed in reverent kind of way yeah like the actual heist it should look ridiculous he's running around in a clown mask yeah but it's actually shot away. It's like, no this is kind of like unsettling like it's really cre- it's really creepy but it's like exciting because you know he's like Stealing the money, and then him trying to run away, and then the ending, and it's a really good movie. I really just liked the killing. It made a killing.
1: And it was fascinating to go through and just see the influences that it had on movies later down the line. You were able to sit there and be like, that's uh, The Dark Knight, that's Reservoir Dogs, and it was just, wow, all these inspirations for these massive movies. Oh, yeah. It's like, it, it's good filmmaking.
0: But you know what else is great filmmaking? Whatever your number, number four is. oh.
1: oh. I so agree with you there. My number four shouldn't be too hard for you to guess. It has to be Psycho. Our episode we just did two weeks ago.
0: Yeah, yeah, Psycho's Psycho's uh, one of one of the great Hitchcock movies.
1: It is the greatest Hitchcock movie. I loved it. I love being able to fully dissect the movie, read the book, just talk about everything Psycho. Ugh, it warms my my little heart.
0: Oh, psycho is. We got into, like, some some pretty, I guess, like, hardcore conversation about that. Like, what is the best Hitchcock movie? Yeah. And it's really kind of hard to narrow it down because I think Vertigo is probably the most quintessential Hitchcock movie. Yeah. Rear Window is probably his most, like, well-made film film. And then you have, like, Psycho where it's like, this is, like, the pop culture, like, touchdown. Mm-hmm. This is the movie that just, just, there's before and after Psycho. In Psycho is one of those movies that has just eclipsed Hitchcock's career as, like, everyone knows Psycho. Yeah. Maybe not everyone has seen Vertigo. Maybe people don't really know where all the references are from from Rear Window. But everyone knows Psycho.
1: Everyone knows that shower scene.
0: Yeah. That's the, that's the thing.
1: They may recognize the, the Bates house, the Bates motel.
0: It, it's <sighs> iconic.
1: It's so iconic. And it was such a, a pleasure to talk about it. And, I mean, not like I don't talk about Psycho. All the time. All the time. But being able to sit here and really put thought into it and figure out how it was made and how it could never be made again.
0: Which we got into that episode.
1: We did. It was a really fun episode. Good old psycho. I know. I might watch it when I get home. Oh, God. But what is your number four?
0: Uh, you called it earlier it is Starman
1: Starman
0: Starman
1: such a good movie
0: very good most surprising movie of the year might it actually I think it is the most surprising movie of the year
1: yeah I'd agree with you there
0: because going into it it was a movie that laid out in the Carpenter canon in his career it's like oh this was a movie done for money like this isn't something that it seems like he wanted to do it's really closer to like that Amblin Entertainment Spielberg camp, mm-hmm. and then you watch it and it's like, no, John Carpenter's just a great filmmaker and can kind of make anything work. Yeah, and like Jeff Bridges, Jeff Bridges, I always get him and Kurt Russell mixed up.
1: You're Lord and Savior, Kurt <laughs> Russell.
0: Praise be. But yeah, Jeff Bridges is giving a great performance. Karen Allen is phenomenal so in that movie. Yes. I am surprised that the both of them didn't get nominated and it was only Bridges got nominated. We're going to protest. And it's like the thing where watching that movie, I'm like, I'm surprised I never saw it before. I'm surprised it wasn't one of these movies that just played on TBS for, like, a decade when I, I was mean, going on. I mean, I
1: hadn't even heard of this movie before. Um, I talked to my mom, and she's like, every now and then they show it on cable. But it's like, yeah, one of these stations, TBS, TNT, uh, should pick it up, and it should be a thing where, ah, yeah, maybe we show it once a month, or... Something because I think more people need to watch this movie.
0: It's probably one of the it's it's weird because it's like the biggest Carpenter movie. It's the one that had like the most money and prestige yeah. around it. But even even the Carpenter movie that got nominated for an Oscar is still a cult movie. Like what the hell, guys?
1: That and it's just like this is a Carpenter movie, just showing you know Carpenter is a freaking genius. If he, you if he has you think range. He has if range you think director. you know oh, okay. I know the Carpenter tropes, I know his films, and then you get this one that just, you know, sears your soul. It's just like, oh my god, this is one of these movies where my heart was never the same again after this.
0: We really enjoyed that. The whole Carpenter month was a good month.
1: That was a fun month.
0: But with that, what is your number three?
1: My number three, not only because it was a great movie, was also our first recording outside of the studio The Robert Pattinson Batman. Ah, yes. Let me pick up my Robert Pattinson mug, because, oh man, this movie was something else.
0: You have a, she has a Twilight mug, everyone. That's what she's now going to be drinking her uh, stuff out of. But yeah, um, The Batman.
1: The Batman was such a fun movie. Long movie.
0: Very, that was the biggest critique I had of that movie, was it did not need to be three hours long.
1: But it was still so much fun. The car chase.
0: Yeah, the, like, the action beats in the movie were really good. Robert Pattinson is definitely a really good Batman. It's one of those things where the the movie... Again, for me, I really thought it was a, it was a good movie. I'd give it like a 7 out of 10. It didn't blow my mind. But I could definitely see why you would be like Best Batman Movie.
1: Oh, Best Batman Movie. So good. Robert Pattinson, just, you know, looking at him on the big screen. But also... You're, you're right. He makes a really great Batman. And it's, you know, not Adam West Batman where he's funny or Bale. He's his own kind of...
0: Well, Bale is playing a good Bruce Wayne.
1: Yeah. And we have Robert Pattinson playing a good Batman. But it was also a fun experience because that was our first time recording outside of our studio where we recorded at Under City Comics. And it was just a fun experience being able to go and record in like a real studio setting. Yes. And, yeah, that that's why it's on my list, because great film, great recording experience. It was an overall fun time, even though it was hard, because I really wanted to put Keaton's Batman on my list, because that was such a fun movie. It had been a movie I hadn't seen since I was a kid, mm. and I was like,
0: Man. you You were a little afraid it wasn't going to hold up, too?
1: Well, yeah, you know, you're always worried about these films that you love, and it's like, ooh, is it going to hold up? Is it going to be that close to, you know that fun feeling it used to give me as a kid and then watching it i'm like my god jack nicholson you are just chewing apart the scenery and i could watch a movie just about the joker for hours
0: such a such a good movie it is
1: but what is your number three
0: my number three uh surprise it hasn't come up on your list yet it is princess mononoke really uh Watched it. I trashed on that movie. I was like, "This movie's weird. I don't get how this is a Ghibli movie. What the hell's going on with you, Miyazaki?" And it might be my favorite Miyazaki film.
1: Yeah, that was ever. that was shocking because we recorded it and. Yeah, as soon as we we hit stop, you were kind of like, I think this is my new favorite Miyazaki movie. I
0: said it during the episode. I think I gave that same spiel. I'm like, oh, this movie's weird. Like, there's so much violence. Like, this doesn't feel like the whimsy and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, yeah, at the end of it, I'm like, no, no, this might be my favorite Miyazaki film. It just fucking works. I, I couldn't tell you why. I don't really understand why the human characters are never shown a sympathetic light. The the forest spirits are, like, weird, abstract monster things. There's a Gilman for some reason.
1: There's Gilman! I love Gilman and, Man so and, much! And it's
0: like, no, it just, it just works. Like, we have a ticking time bomb that also gives superpowers that's never actually a bomb. Like, we're never afraid it's gonna go off. And it's like, well, that's just bad script writing. But God, I don't care. Man, this movie's fun. I loved it. I loved the movie from, like, start to finish. It's, it's a, great. It's a
1: beautiful movie to look at. The music's beautiful strong, you know, messages that they're giving you throughout the movie. It's like, man, this is great Miyazaki.
0: It is very good Miyazaki. Again, probably my new favorite Miyazaki.
1: Yeah, cuz for a while or well, I don't know how long Spirited Away was your favorite Miyazaki, right?
0: Oh, you know, Spirited Away, it's it's kind of bad cuz Spirited Away I said was my favorite Miyazaki as like just default cuz oh. I had didn't seen I had not seen a lot of Miyazaki movies, mm-hmm. so I was like, well, Spirited Away is the one I watched that I liked when I was 12, mm-hmm. so I hadn't seen it since we recorded it for the podcast, uh, and I was like, oh, no, it's still good. I guess I still like it. Yeah, that's probably still the best Miyazaki movie, even after, like, many, Totoro and Key's Delivery Service. I'm like, nah, Howl's Moving Spirit-
1: Castle. How's
0: Moving Castle. I'm Like, not nah, Spirited Away is, like, the best one. That's still my favorite, I guess. And then I watched Princess Mononoke, and I'm like, yeah, no, nah, this is just like a better movie. I just love this movie.
1: That, and you also compared it to Lord of the Rings.
0: It reminded me a lot of it in terms of the themes and what it's talking about. And it's like a very. It is Miyazaki building his own, like, Middle Earth esque um, fantasy world, which mm-hmm. is fascinating, which he doesn't like every fucking movie yeah. he makes. But um, yeah, Princess Mononoke at my number three.
1: All right. Well, my number two film is a movie that we just talked about.
0: Oh, God. Okay, what is it? Starman. Starman.
1: My God. You know, going into that movie, I, of course, did the research, looked at the poster, looked for the trailer, and I'm like, my God, this doesn't resonate with me at all. It's like, I've, you know, never seen any advertisement for it. I'm like, this is completely brand new. Going into it, I was just like, man, what if I don't like this? It's a
0: movie on paper, it looks like something you're going to hate.
1: No, not on paper, you know. It's like, I was like, okay, you know, it's basically like E.T., but in human form. And I was like, all right, let's 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 see how they're going to go about this. And I mean, just rip my heart out. I was just sitting there trying not to cry watching the end of this movie. And even recording, the two of us were just sitting here like, like we've just gone through like the worst breakup because I was like, oh my god. It's just a
0: good movie. It's like
1: John Carpenter. Like, what did you do to my heart? This, you know, just made me feel.
0: It's another thing where I'm like, John Carpenter gets a lot of credit for being the genre director. Mm -hmm. You know, oh, he makes horror movies, action movies, sci-fi movies. Mm -hmm. But he has a lot of range outside of that. Like, he can do these very, like, very, like, tender thoughtful like movies like this is like on paper a spielberg movie Mm -hmm. right like spielberg decided between this and et like those scripts yeah and then carpenter gets this and it's like this just like works and it shows his range as a director
1: shows his range as a director and then just shows how talented the actors are in this movie and just you know the rawness of karen allen's character who's going through this traumatic, you know, losing her husband and getting him back for a brief moment of time just to kind of say goodbye to him. And, you know, getting that closure and, you know, getting a child and it's just like, man, just cut me to the core. And I love it so much.
0: Very good movie. Very good movie.
1: Yes. I'm getting all teary-eyed just thinking about it. But uh, what's your number two movie?
0: Uh, my number two? Not a, not a teary-eyed kind of movie. Not a movie that's going to like get you in the heart but it's gonna mess with your head it is paprika
1: paprika oh man you love that movie
0: satoshi cone is one of the best directors we lost him too soon yes. and man paprika is one of those movies that when we watched it i was like oh so this is where christopher nolan got all the shit for inception yeah oh but this guy did it in a way more creative and artistic and abstract way and colorful so colorful the movie just looks gorgeous and it's this movie where you watch it and like it always leaves you guessing as to is any of what we're seeing actually happening is this still the dream world how many layers is is this movie like talking on because there's a whole part where he just he's talking about like film language yeah like there's a whole part where it's just like oh we're talking about film language and that is a metaphor for us creating this dream world and that's layered under a bunch of stuff where they're talking about like how he, how we envision ourselves and mm. how we create the world we want to live in around us through like our own actions and it's this that's like seven layers deep into the movie yeah um but yeah so paprika was my number two i i really really liked that movie uh, did did you enjoy it
1: no i i did you know i wasn't sure what to expect because. He's the one that also did Perfect Blue, right? Yes.
0: Okay. Perfect Blue was his first movie. So
1: I really loved Perfect Blue when we watched it last year for the podcast. It it was the
0: first anime movie I got you to watch that wasn't Ghibli.
1: Yeah, so it, it was just this thing of, okay, well, you know, just based off the poster and the trailer, I'm like, okay, this doesn't look like the same world as Perfect Blue. I'm like, am I gonna like it? And I was just like, yeah, it really messes with your head. But I felt like the next couple of days, like, after watching it and after recording, I still was sitting there trying to figure it out and trying to piece things together. And it's just a fun movie because it really forces your brain to think in all its different counterparts. It's not one of those movies where you could just sit and relax. Yeah. It's like, it wants you to think. It wants you to put this puzzle together. And it's like, I like those kind of movies that really gets me thinking.
0: It wants to engage with you. Yeah. And I think that's the beauty of movies like this. It's a movie that, like, you know, tears us away from, like, the the phone or, like, you know, glant, like the popcorn, right? And gets us in the movie. Yeah,
1: because it's one of these movies that demands your attention. And it's like, if you're looking down, eating a piece of popcorn, you're going to miss something.
0: But what is your number one movie?
1: We're bringing it back to this month, Hitchcock Month. Yep. With Vertigo.
0: No shit. Oh,
1: man. That was, you know, if Psycho was a fun episode, and Psycho's my all-time favorite, Vertigo was so much fun to really get in there and figure out the details and really kind of pull together how this movie was made and what's going on in this movie.
0: I think that was probably one of my favorite recording sessions we did because we actually got into, like, the nitty gritty of the movie, the themes of the movie, what the movie means, like, underneath the surface. Because I know sometimes we're talking about, like, oh, I don't know, um texas chainsaw massacre 4 and i'm like come on boo engage with me about the themes and and like what does it mean and you're like it's just a bad movie dean but with vertigo we were actually able to like get get into the nitty-gritty of the movie
1: it gives you so much in that movie character wise plot wise location music that it's just it feels like this larger than life movie that you feel like my God, I am stuck with Jimmy Stewart in this movie, trying to figure out how did this happen to this girl? And then you've been playing me the whole time. You're not really this new person. You are her. And it's just that, that mind trip of what the fuck? You know, she's been here this whole time. And it's just like, yeah, I've been creepily building her into the person that I want and desire. And it's like, no, it's really you. And you've been playing me. So yeah, it's just, it's a fun movie.
0: Oh yeah, Verdict, not only a fun movie, it's one of the greatest movies ever made. Like, we recorded it right after the Sight and Sound came out, and it went from number one to number two. two, and it's like, that movie is so good. That's one of the movies I think is, like, definitely the most easy recommend we've ever had on the podcast. Oh yeah.
1: I mean, not that it's too hard to recommend movies on the podcast, but that one was, like,
0: slam dunk we opened the episode with recommending it
1: it goes to hitchcock and how much of a master of film that he is and you know just really gets you thinking and gets your emotions out there
0: and watching the movie you get so much of him as a director out of the movie which is the which is the thing that is so fascinating about him and why he was such a director of study for so long is of how much he put himself into his movies yeah
1: So what is your number one? I'm curious now.
0: My number one movie, uh, this is, again, it's, like, the one I think is, like, the best, my favorite, and the one I hadn't seen beforehand, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Honorable mention, though, like, if Mm -hmm. I had seen this as a brand new movie, it'd be Once Upon a Time in America, but I'd saw that beforehand. So honorable mention for that one. But the one that is the actual number one movie that I watched this year that was new to me is Cool Hand Luke with Paul Newman Uh, this movie, watching it, because I love One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Yeah. Adore that movie. And watching this, I'm like, oh, this is doing One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, but it's still in that old Hollywood style where it's still dealing with, like, let's be honest, some ham-fisted, like, religious imagery. Yeah. But, like, it's a movie that surprised the hell out of me, because, again, I thought it was something else going into it. Mm -hmm. And Paul Newman's one of those actors that I had not seen a lot from. I saw Butch Cassidy in The Hustler. Yeah. And, like, Color of Money. I've, I've seen, like, a few movies, but it's one of those things where it's like, okay, I get it, he's like, he's, like, good-looking, and he's, like, a good actor, but he's not, like, wowing me. I don't think he's a great actor. Then I watch Cool Hand Luke, and I'm like, oh, no, he's, like, one of the one of the best leading men to have ever done it. Okay, I, I, I see what we're getting at here.
1: For me, too, it was kind of this thing where I've seen him in a couple of other movies, but I haven't seen his full filmography. Yeah. And then, you know, I've never seen Cool Hand Luke, either, and we were both kind of like, this is not the movie that we expected, mm. but I love it even more because it's just he's Cool Hand Luke, and they're gonna be talking about him from generation to generation yeah,
0: with that Luke smile as he gets <laughs> driven off into the into the night. And it's it's one of those movies that when I was watching it, I'm like, okay, that was just a good movie. Like I don't I don't get it, and then I like sat with it for a while, and then I stewed on it. And then it's, like, a month past, and I'm still thinking about it, and I'm like, yeah, no, that movie was actually, like, really good. Okay, I guess it was, like, a good, a really good movie.
1: It was then, a slow burn for you. It was a,
0: exactly. Like, we recorded this in, like, the first week of November, and I'm in December now. And it's, like, every, like, week after it, I keep, for some reason, Cool Aunt Luke pops up into my mind every once in a while, and I'm like, yeah, no, that shot was, like, really good. That And that's the thing, the movies that I really, like, put as my favorite, so the ones that kind of stuck in my head for a long time yeah that i kept like thinking about and i after watching cool and luke i've been thinking about it since so that is my number one movie of 2022 very cool but the last ones we'll, we'll try and rapid fire these ones a little bit because they don't deserve our time these they- are the worst movies we watched this year
1: yeah we agreed on a top five but I couldn't even do five movies because. Really. Yeah, because a lot of the movies we picked this year were all bangers.
0: True. So I, I, I'm not even gonna lie to you. Um, I only have three movies on here that I think no are legitimate. Sh- no, no shit. Okay. No. Well, I have five. Oh, but okay. I, three of them I think are like legitimately not good movies. Two of them are like. Well, I had to make up the top five, and I didn't really dig these movies, so okay, I have five.
1: I have three, and I was like, "There's no way that we managed to do." <laughs>
0: three no, no, no. movies
1: without telling each other.
0: I it mine should have only been 3 but <laughs> I squeezed two more out of it.
1: All right. Well, should we just let you go first and then I'll, I'll go since I have the less amount uh, of movies?
0: Sh- sure, sure. I'm and I'm pretty sure some of these are going to match up. They're
1: probably going to overlap. Yeah.
0: Um and they're not in any particular order. And yeah. these again, these are just movies I just did not enjoy. Yeah. I don't some of them I don't even think are objectively bad movies. Yeah. Like for this instance, Hitchcock
1: interesting okay
0: now my reasoning for that is again it's not a bad movie yeah it's fine it's It's, funny it's yeah there's funny bits into it like anthony hopkins good helen mirren's really good like a lot of the like pageantry and the production is like really fun but it's a movie that it's just dull there's like not a lot going on it doesn't do any of like the biopic things greatly like we don't get a lot of detail of hitchcock's like life but but we getting but it's trying to recreate the production of psycho but we're not spending a lot of time with that we're focusing so much time on
1: on this possible affair
0: that's not true to life and it's so much fabrications going on with this and i just felt like it needed more so bored by the end of it
1: it just it needed more things in there um but i still really enjoyed it you know i
0: again it's a movie where i'm like it, it's not. I don't think it's a bad movie. It's just a movie that at the end I was like, "Eh, it was kind of bored." Not it what you
1: expected. Not
0: what I expected. I really just came around to being like, "Eh," but again, that's like the the five, and that's the one I had to squeeze in somewhere. Okay. You know.
1: So what's your number four?
0: Uh, my number four is Scream Three. I just thought that <laughs> movie was. I thought that movie was trash. <laughs> Like, that, uh, again, it's one of those movies where I'm like, there's still good filmmaking involved. Yeah. Like, it's not, like, that bad, but it's a trashy movie.
1: Yeah, I mean, <sighs> Scream 3 is just Scooby-Doo on steroids.
0: Yeah, and it's not nearly as fun. It's not funny like the other ones. It's I remember, not scary like any of them. I
1: remember you are like, what the hell? Why is Jane saw Silent Bob in the <laughs> okay, movie? Okay,
0: that, like, right there movie, movie lost I lost all respect for this movie. Yeah. The movie up front doesn't respect its audience, and that's why I don't respect that movie.
1: Yeah. I mean, Scream 3 is kind of like the the film that we love to meme on in the Scream community, but I understand.
0: But um, another one I got for you. Your number three? My number three. Uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 4, uh, The Next Generation. Yeah. Yeah, that that one's on yours, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yeah, you wanna, you wanna
1: mention, talk about it a little bit? My god, what the hell was that movie?
0: Again, I think it is a a meta work that's trying to analyze the horror genre, the character genre, all that stuff. Again, I think that's what it's trying to do. I don't think it's a good movie. I don't think it's doing it well. I think it's a movie that is so pants on heads insane. Yeah. That it it, it loses all ability to be an Any kind of, like, cohesive unit of a movie, it's a movie that is doing every bad trope, and you know it's on purpose, because it has a point.
1: Yep.
0: But that's the thing. I'm so angry that this movie is bad (laughs) on purpose. Yeah. And that's why I I have, like, grief with it. That's why I did not like the movie.
1: And we watched it together, and we were both, like... Uh, for a while, I was like, why is he doing this to me? Why is he making me watch this? This is
0: so brutal. Well, the whole point of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, month, again, Texas yeah. Chainsaw Massacre, month, the whole point of that was to get you to, to Next Generation. Because, you know, Misery uh. Loves Company, and I've seen that movie, and I needed more people to see it. To understand what I went through. I enjoyed Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I really liked... I thought the second one was fun. It Three was. Generic and bland, but hey... I like, you know, Friday the 13th. That's the whole franchise. But four? That was an affront to God, that movie. But that was uh, my number three.
1: So what is your number two?
0: Um, This is a movie that I think is not actually bad. It's just dated as hell. Uh, and that's The Omen. Ah, okay. Not on your um, list, I assume?
1: No, not on my list. Again, you know, I had a really hard time trying to put movies that I didn't like because... Yeah, The Omen wasn't what I expected. It's been this thing where people talked it up so much. Oh, it's terrifying. It's the scariest
0: movie we've ever made. It's a cursed film. It is it, it it is the peak of horror cinema.
1: And it's actually on my honorable mentions list for my top 10 movies of this year mm-hmm. because it was such a fun episode to film
0: because it, we ragged on it the whole time. Well,
1: we didn't just rag on it, but we also got into like the whole cursed films aspect of it mm-hmm. and just how you know, people are oh, it's not a curse film. And then when you see the things that happen, they're like, no.
0: It might this... not be a curse film, but it's a weird film.
1: I'm like, this is, you know, not normal things that you hear every day. People get into freak accidents every day, but it's just like, this is beyond that. And that's why I kind of was, you know, kind of juggling, you know, should I put it on the list? Should I not put it on the list? But... Yeah, I mean the beginning of the movie was really good and once we got to like the ending of the movie it was like two different movies.
0: The whole third act falls apart for yeah. me. The whole third act of this movie I think kind of falls apart. It's the other thing where out of all the movies we watched cuz we watched some old movies on this yeah. uh this year but the only one was the only one I watched that I felt it was so dated I couldn't really relate to it anymore. A lot of well, a lot of it is like how like the wife is treated and how yeah. like the husband is like the the forefront of like well, if my wife is going to get an abortion, you're going to have to talk to me. I'm I'm the man, and the doctor's like, well, absolutely, <sighs> sir. I wouldn't think of anything of it. And it's yeah. like stuff like that. I
1: forgot about that. Maybe I just repressed that because I was so angry. At yeah, this time.
0: <laughs> there's a lot of stuff in there where it's like, oh, it's Gregory Peck, and it's like, yeah, it's Gregory Peck. He's a great actor, yeah. but I don't. I didn't really, like, dig the movie. There's a couple of really good spooky things in it, but it's not a movie that I can honestly say I would go back to and enjoy going back to it. I would go back to it and probably, at best, appreciate the 30% of it I thought was good. Okay. But I'd probably also dislike the rest of it that I thought was trash. Interesting. uh, That is what it is. Controversial opinions may be, I was not a fan of The Omen.
1: Okay. And we're at your... Number one. Number one. Okay.
0: And uh, this movie, I would be surprised if it's not on your worst list. Because this is the one I think is actually the worst movie we watched this year. Okay. It is Death Proof.
1: Excuse me, I almost died here. Death Proof?
0: Death Proof. I think it's the worst movie we watched this year. Wow. Yeah. Because... I
1: did not expect that at all. Really? Really? No, I mean, you know, it wasn't my favorite movie, but I was able to appreciate, and the cheese, and how dare you go against Kurt Russell.
0: Look, Kurt Russell, great part of the movie. He ain't in enough of it. The first 30 minutes of the movie where it's setting it up and it's like, oh, this is like a fleshed out short film? That's really cool. The rest of the movie, I don't give a shit. Because you spent the whole first 30 minutes... Getting us acquainted with a cast of characters that dies, like in Psycho. Yeah. But then you don't replace them with interesting characters you want to follow anymore. You replace them with slasher babes, basically. Yeah. And the problem is, it's not... It's like Texas Chainsaw Massacre 4, where, oh, it's bad on purpose. Tarantino is making a bad Grindhouse movie on purpose. Yeah. But the problem is, is, yeah, you're making it on purpose, but there's no underbelly here. His... Tarantino's whole thing is style as substance, not style over substance. Style as substance. The point is that he is a is a genre blender. He puts all these things and tries to make them work. And it's the beauty of seeing him bring all his influences into this. And it's like these are your worst influences come together.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Didn't like Death Proof. I think this is a movie that just didn't work at all it's the only movie this year that i wanted to turn off after halfway yeah because it was like i just don't care anymore
1: and i powered through i watched the whole thing I,
0: I watched the whole thing too i didn't want to after a while oh
1: me either but i was like ooh, that is a pretty cool car and that is a pretty bitch and stuntman jacket and those nachos did look amazing
0: but yeah, that was death proof.
1: Interesting. I did not expect that.
0: So out of my five, only one of ours crossed. Text Change saw four. Yes. So I guess what are the other two?
1: So my number three out of my three movies is unfortunately and it pains me to say it, Halloween ends.
0: Yeah, I saw this coming. Yeah, saw I saw that coming.
1: Wasn't what I was expecting, um, And again, you know, the point that I tried to make when we were watching, or we did Halloween Ends as an episode, was you're either going to like the film or you're not, and that applies to every movie. So whether we like it or not, that's our opinions, and unfortunately it's not the ending that I had wanted to see for the Halloween franchise. But it is what it is. So, yeah, it it pains me, but Halloween Ends is my number three on my list. I
0: don't think it should pain you because, like... Because I
1: I love the Halloween franchise, so it's just... I wanted to see this epic ending, and it was just kind of... We only got, you know, Halloween for about 10-15 minutes in
0: this movie. And that's the problem with the movie. Like, I think people who, like, like the movie are people who are, like... I said, like a lot there. Yeah. Are people who look at it as finally Halloween is doing something different? Mm-hmm. They're finally like stepping out of the whole Michael Myers shadow and trying to do something beyond. Yeah. Like this tried, entire tropey slasher genre. Mm-hmm. And my argument with that is this is the 13th movie in a franchise. You have built every other movie in this little trilogy. You know, Halloween and Halloween Kills as homages directly referencing mm-hmm. the schlocky, bullshitty, weird slasher genre that the third movie decided to piss away. Yeah. If you wanted to do that, that's fine. Again, I thought the movie objectively was a good movie. It was just a horrible Halloween movie.
1: Yeah, and that's how I felt. You know, had this been... Like, um...
0: Season of the Witch?
1: Yeah, Season of the Witch, where you want to pull it to be, you know, related to the Halloween franchise, but not directly part of it. Okay, you know, you've got me. Because I really like the actor who played Corey, and if they had wanted to incorporate him, you know, have him in Halloween 2018, so we start to see the character progression, but we just get slammed with, this is Corey's life, and this is Corey's downfall, and it's just like, well, this is supposed to be... This epic battle that's, you know, built for 45 years, and we get 10 minutes of it?
0: Well, it's the, it's the thing that we said in that episode. The truth of the matter is the writers, directors, the mm-hmm. creative people had enough ideas for a movie and a half. Yeah. They put all the good ideas in Halloween, which is the climactic final battle we mm-hmm. wanted, but that's at the front of this trilogy. Yeah. That didn't need to be a trilogy, so they milked it out. Mm-hmm. And the whole Corey thing, if that, thats whole story would work if it was thought out ahead of time at all and spread throughout this to work. Yeah. But it wasn't because they didn't think that far ahead.
1: Yeah, Halloween Ends is my number three. My number two we already talked about, which was uh, Next Generation, Texas Texas Chainsaw 4. Because, yeah, that movie was just what the actual fuck. (laughs) I mean, my God, it hurt to watch. I was just like, this feels... So not like a Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie Mm. after, you know, seeing three of them prior to this. I was just like, we are just so far gone. The family is absolutely bonkers, even though they were in the first movie, the second and the third. But this is just...
0: It's a different kind of insanity.
1: Yeah. And I was just like, I don't even know. I mean, this is months later and I'm still trying to process that movie. And my number one is probably going to surprise you. You probably thought I would have put Generation first.
0: Yeah, I thought, I thought we would have matched up more than, than we did, but I'm interested.
1: But my, you know, my number one worst episode of this year, Leatherface.
0: Really?
1: That movie was so bland and boring.
0: And uh. we watched
1: that together and I was just like, has time slowed down? This, is, this movie's never going to end.
0: You know what? That's the same thing with Hitchcock for me. Bland and boring. Leatherface? On, it does everything a cheap slasher should do. You
1: have a guy with a chainsaw chasing people through the woods. Somebody ends up in his den. Oh my god, how are they gonna escape? And I was like, you managed to make this as boring as hell.
0: Yep. Yeah, Yeah. honestly, that's, uh, that's the point of that movie. It's a movie that when we watched it, it's going to be just a generic slasher movie. Because I hadn't seen it in fucking forever. Yeah. You've never seen it before. No. But it's like, you look at the cover, it's like, oh, it's just going to be like, Friday the 13th Part 5. With a or, chainsaw. Or Nightmare on Elm Street Part 4. Or mm-hmm. any of the other, like, million slasher movies. And it's like, how is it that you are every other slasher movie and the most boring sequel out of all of them? Yep. huh. <sighs> So so you just did not value boredom.
1: <laughs> no, I mean, Texas 4 was just atrocious, but, you know, at least Matthew McConaughey was giving me something to look at. Yeah. You know, his off the wall, I'm like, you know, he's gonna give himself a heart attack. He is just going so ham. But in this movie, it's like, oh, he's gonna get it. Oh, no, he got away. Oh! okay, well, he killed him, I guess. Cool, whatever.
0: Yeah, and, like, Vigo Mortensen is in Leatherface, and it's yeah. like, yeah, he's barely in this. Like, he's not... It's like, it's like, he's like, I love fine. Vigo. He's he's good, but it's like, man, there's not a lot here to chew on for anybody.
1: And, I mean, you know, he's the one that steals the movie, but it's like, we're, we don't get him enough to be like, well, he is the saving grace, and I can't put this on the list. Like, no.
0: It, it's also a thing where it wasn't that hard to steal the movie. It is astounding to me that that movie wasted ken foray as much as it did yeah that yeah i i could definitely see where you would find leatherface the worst movie of of the year
1: oh man it was brutal. but yeah that that's the end of our greatest and
0: not so great not
1: so great movies of this year
0: um, um but I, I guess the final thing we need to talk about Favorite moments? Favorite events. Yeah, favorite moments yeah, we got I to mean, go to.
1: We did a lot this year. Um, we're starting to work on our calendar for next year because mm-hmm. it's really fun. We're, we're starting to make friends at these events, so it's turning
0: into... A lot more of a family affair. We get to see yeah, people, you know, meet it's, and greet.
1: It's almost like a get-together. You know, it's like, oh, cool, we're going to, you know, go meet this person, this actor. But then again, we have friends that work the events or... You know, of friends
0: that like show up to the events and they're like cosplayers that yeah. we see at every one of these things. And
1: yeah, so it's yeah. really kind of turning, like you said, into like a family meet and greet. And um we mentioned some of these things throughout our like our best mm-hmm. um episodes, but this is kind of a thing that what we don't really talk about on the podcast. Yeah. But my favorite thing, one of my favorite things we did this year was all the screenings that we went to at the Frida. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, we try to plug the Frida as often as we can. It's... Orange County's only.
0: It's the only art house theater of Orange County.
1: So, you know, it's this really cool theater. It's a um, volunteer run. And they put together some amazing events, amazing screenings, a lot of movies that people haven't heard of or don't have access to. So I've just loved our time, even if it hasn't been for episodes, like we went to go see Firewalk with me.
0: That a, was a lot of fun. A movie
1: that we've seen multiple times, but, you know, getting to see some of these movies on the big screen just makes that much more of an impact. Oh, yeah. Going to see Psycho for my birthday weekend, that was a lot of fun. Uh, So, yeah, so the Frida was something that, that was my favorite thing to do this year. And, of course, you know, we're going to do more screenings at the Frida this coming year. So, yeah, that was one of my favorite things that we did this year.
0: But, but what else did we go to this year?
1: There's no way we can't talk about Midsummer Scream and season Screaming.
0: Oh yeah, those those were definitely the highlights of this year.
1: They were also our first times at both events. We went to Midsummer last year, but it was a lot smaller of a venue because of COVID. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, we actually got to go to Midsummer when they came back to Long Beach this year and just see what a beast it was.
0: Very big event. A lot of people, but like what I really cared about was season screaming because that's where I got to meet Keith David and I got yeah. him to sign my uh, They Live DVD, which was super cool. He, he shook
1: our hands, I mean, he class talked last act like
0: great guy. Yeah, that was definitely the highlight of my year. That was again, that was uh one of the only things I wrote down for my uh honorable mentions thing.
1: Oh, I could believe it.
0: Uh, But yeah, that was definitely, like, a highlight of the year for, like, podcast excursions.
1: That, and I think that's probably going to become, like, a yearly tradition for us, where we go to season screaming. And it's like, I could easily see us doing that, you know, every year. We also got to meet Sarah Karloff, the daughter of Boris Karloff.
0: Your favorite part of this year?
1: (sighs) Her and meeting Bella Lugosi Jr. and uh, Bella Lugosi Jr.'s daughter. I mean, it was just one of those lifetime experiences where I didn't think that was going to happen, seeing, you know, the children of these larger-than-life characters, and yeah, I mean, that was a really great event. I can't wait to go back. I, I can't even wait to go back to um, Midsummer and
0: That's going to be nice.
1: Yeah, you know, I'm really looking forward to going to more cons this year.
0: Yeah, like, especially, like, more horror cons, more movie cons, cons that are, like, Things that we can actually tie back into the podcast a little bit more.
1: Yeah. Another cool thing, and I think that's probably the top of our list, uh-huh. is when we went to go meet John Carpenter.
0: That was probably the best thing we did that because that was like at the end of John Carpenter month. Yeah. That was like the, the final thing we got to do. It was like a week after we recorded the final episode. And
1: that wasn't even planned. We had planned John Carpenter month earlier in the year, and then we found out about this meet and greet. and It was a signing well it's a meet and greet and signing but it was just this thing where you know lightning in a bottle because i've been talking about my poster to you and i'm like i don't think i'm ever going to complete my halloween you know signature poster because when am i ever going to meet john carpenter and then it was like boom here you go and then we did and he was super nice we met his wife sandy and all the other artists that work on his uh, graphic novels that he does
0: yeah uh, out of like storm king publishing and It was just really cool to actually, like, meet John Carpenter, because it's, like, that guy's, like, a real, real, like, filmmaker, and he's, like, not one of those filmmakers that, like, I I don't know. He's one of those filmmakers that I think has been a lot more appreciated now than he was back in his day, and it's really nice when we went there and saw so many people there who, like, appreciated him the same way we did, and it was, was like, a really awesome event.
1: Yeah, and I mean, you know, meeting, or not meeting, but seeing Francis Ford Coppola was so different than actually being able to meet John Carpenter.
0: Yeah, because we didn't meet Coppola. We sat, like, 15 feet from him as he did, like, a whole speech and Mm and a thing like that. But, like, we got to talk to John Carpenter.
1: And it's like, you know, there's not too many people that can say, oh, well, we met and talked to John Carpenter for a few minutes. And it was just, wow, you know, I've loved your movies forever. I appreciate you as a director. And it's like, I get to actually speak to you oh yeah and he happens to be this really nice guy i was like wow
0: but uh those were some of the best events we did this year and as a preview for next year tell everybody the the next couple of things we're going to be doing for next year before we wrap up and get out of here
1: well we're going to be doing some different and fun you know themed months i think the most different thing we're going to do next year is we're doing a musical month
0: We are. I believe it's going to be Musical March. We're going to do a whole month of doing musicals, and it's going to be a lot of fun, because I I have surprisingly seen a lot more musicals than uh, you thought I did.
1: I know you you like to be surprised on the podcast. You like to watch things you've never seen before, and then when we're working the schedule out, you're like, oh no, I've seen like
0: All the ones you suggested.
1: Yeah, and I was just like, okay, it's going to be interesting to see if we could find one that maybe Dean hasn't watched.
0: Yeah, my sister was in musical theater, so I watched a lot of musicals growing up.
1: Yeah, so we'll be doing that. Of course, we're bringing back the horror. It's always, you know, there's going to be horror here at the film club. Oh, yeah. But next month, we're going to be doing, not a director, not a theme, we're going to be focusing on an actor.
0: Yes, kind of like our Nicolas Cage month we did last year, but Mm -hmm. this actor is a classic.
1: So January is going to be all about Humphrey Bogart. And I mean, what better way to kick off the month and the new year with one of the biggest movies of all time, Casablanca.
0: Which I'm excited for. I I don't think I've seen Casablanca in... (sighs) Since I was like 10. Oh, Wow. Yeah, I I never went back to rewatch a lot of those movies.
1: Oh no, I mean this is one of my favorite movies. Um it's been a while since I've watched it, so I'm excited to go in and really dissect the movie.
0: Yeah, I I really can't wait to get into that cuz that movie when I was in like freshman year of college, mm-hmm. that was the movie that the professor decided to use as the template to show us how to dissect a movie. Yeah. He didn't show us the movie. He just talked about it like he assumed everyone in the class had saw it yesterday. But it was, like, really fascinating to see how somebody could, like, dissect a movie so, like, thoroughly. Yeah. And it's like, well, Casablanca, like, that. yeah, I guess that is one of the best movies ever made. Like, this guy had a two and a half hour lecture dissecting the first 20 minutes. So, so I'm very excited.
1: I'm excited, too. And if you want to listen to us on a different platform, you can follow us on... Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, uh, Amazon Music, and YouTube.
0: You can go to our YouTube channel, The Film Vault. That is The Film Vault on YouTube. You can go there, leave a comment, subscribe, like a video, do whatever you want to do. We're, we're pretty easy about that. But if you wanted to follow us on social media, where could they go?
1: You can find us on Instagram at The Film Club Podcast, where we post daily stories. Trivia, upcoming um, movies, events that we're going to, and just our random adventures.
0: And with that,
1: Happy New Year, everyone.
0: See you next week.